celebrate your birth. It's just that we celebrate the coming of a Savior. You know, from the line of David, from the, from the, the, the priestly line, Jesus, a Savior, a Messiah, one who's come to bring that uh, bridge, to, to, to take that burden uh, of sin away and to create an opportunity to serve you without fear. Will you guide us and direct us? Refresh our minds. Teach us today, Lord, if there's anybody here today who doesn't know you, doesn't know you as Savior and Lord. Lord, let us not play religion. Let us move into a relationship. With your help, we will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. You mind bring that over here for me? After I mocked his tie, I need his help, so that's kind of dangerous, everybody. <laughs> One announcement, if you wouldn't mind, in your programs, you have the Christmas giving. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Uh, just a couple things about that. Every Christmas Eve, we do a, an offering, and we give the entire offering away and out from our church so we can continue to be uh, a church that is a giving church looking outside of ourselves. On the back, you'll see several different things that you're welcome to do a little more research in. We're hoping one of these catches your heart. You know, our denomination, uh, next week we'll hear from Michael Tipton. He's the head of our foreign missions. There's a a foreign missions uh, that you can give to adult and teen challenge is the second one. You may know something about that, Project Hope for the Homeless, which is something that we do a a lot for monthly and sometimes a couple times a month. So uh, what the the board has decided to do is, in regards to each of those, uh, to match up to $500 for each of those ministries as you give. Uh, You'll see a little asterisk there uh, that says, write your checks to Lifehouse Church. But uh, um, if you wouldn't mind in the notation area, put whichever one of those that you want to support. We'll make sure that it gets there, okay? This week we have Bible studies, Wednesdays here, Thursdays. We have Awana. But the following two weeks after that, just a little thought, everybody. Uh, It's Christmas and then New Year's, so we'll be taking a little bit of a break. Keep an eye on your calendars in the program. You can follow along with us, all right? Everybody ready here today? You ready? Sing. Jingle bells. Jingle bells. Come, Tom, don't laugh at me. Sing all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Yeah. That's enough. That's enough. Got out of my car, walking up to the store. A lady's ringing the bell for Salvation Army. Halfway across the parking lot, I don't know, maybe you saw her, she's singing jingle bells. She's going above and beyond. And she's singing jingle bells. And by the time she runs out, she starts off into Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Now, folks, I, I don't know if you're the type of person that it gets time and it gets close to Thanksgiving and you turn your radio to all Christmas music and carols. I have a friend, some of you know Sandy Brown. She plays bass. You see her here sometimes. When Sandy Brown first started coming to church years ago, 20-some years ago, Uh, And she was coming to know Christ. She worked in retail. She worked in one of those retail jobs where you'd go from store to store to store stocking shelves. And at Christmas time, every year, it just started to grate on her. She would hear the songs and she'd feel the people. Christians in and around, maybe I shouldn't even say that, just, just, just people, you know, in their irritated shopping moods and she's having to interact with all of them. One Wonderful, glorious day. I walked into a store seeing her filling the stocks and and the shelves, and she didn't see me. 
So I took my cart up behind her and ran into the back of her legs. She turned around and almost cussed out her pastor. And I'll, I don't know how you feel about Christmas music. I don't know how you feel about Christmas carols, but in your notes, the definition, just a little definition that I have for you is the song of joy. And in your program, if you could pull out your program, there's some notes there you can follow along. You can pull out your smartphone. We have it in your smartphone, all the notes. Could I just lay a little bit of foundation for how we come up with some different Christmas carols? Uh, you have three of them there. You have Silent Night, uh, written by uh, a, a, a young priest, Father Moore. The first time it was ever sung was 1818 in Austria. Silent Night, and then the word Holy Night, a holy infant. Tender and mild. Shepherds quake, right? At his sight, they, they were fearful. And then Christ the Savior is born. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Don't you love all of the stores that won't allow you to put up a manger or say Jesus is the reason for the season? And yet you go in and on the, all the Christmas music playing, biblical themes. Here's the Messiah. Here's the Savior. Look at the next one with me. Hark! The herald angels sing, right? 1739, Charles uh, Wesley, George Whitfield, the authors of the song, uh, hark the herald angels sing, and, they, and in their song, they quote uh, from the scriptures, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, and mercy mild. We're going to take a look at that today. If I was to ask you how to describe uh, uh, mercy and what adjective you might use, what adjective? Mercy, mild. God and sinners reconciled. Sing that loud when you're in Walmart. Sing that loud when you're in Jeff Joggins. You know, there you go. God and sinners reconciled. And then, of course, there's there's some carols that we sing today that, that have a little bit of history. Not all of them joyous. This one right here, the, I heard the bells on Christmas morning. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. You may know a little bit of the story. It's a great story. I heard the bells, the words go on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. Mild and sweet, their songs repeat of peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And if you do a little research, this was a poem that was written by him. And uh, he had a few issues uh, with Christmas and this whole peace on earth. His son is, was shot and injured in the military. His second wife, who G simply loved and adored, her dress caught on fire. He's wakened from a nap. He takes a carpet and tries to put it out. When that doesn't work, he basically uses his body. He's, his burns are so bad that he doesn't even make it to his wife's funeral. For, if you take a look at him, I guess most of the guys, he grew a beard to cover most of what was on his face. Because it, it was so... He struggled mentally. He struggled emotionally, even saying he wondered if he wouldn't end up put away somewhere. Struggling with this whole thought, the words of the song go on, though. He writes this poem, Christmas Day, 1863. And in despair, I bowed my head. There's no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, which is a quote from the Scriptures. And I don't know if you have this or not, but then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill to men. You know, lots of times you read those words, peace on earth, and you might think, well, geez, we got an awful lot of wars and all kinds of problems and families don't get along. That's not the context. The context is peace on earth between God and man, you and me. 
not having to worry about having a discrepancy between us and God or having sin separate us. If you've ever read Psalm 73 or haven't, take a little note. This, to me, sounds like Psalm 73, where the psalmist is just complaining about everybody and every wrong person that has no problems in the world. And then he says, but I remembered something. I remembered eternity. I remembered where I will spend eternity, and I remembered where they will. In Luke, the first chapter, I don't have all the references today. If you brought your Bible, I hope you'll open it up or go to your smartphone. We're taking a look at John the Baptist. This whole first chapter goes from John the Baptist to Mary, back to John the Baptist, a visitation. So, so all of a sudden, this priest, Zechariah, a priest who would have been studying the scriptures, a priest who went in and was supposed to uh, uh, make an offering. It was his turn, it was his time. An angel appears to him, scared the bejeebers out of him, and he doubted, and he doubted. And because he doubted, the angel says, well, you, you doubt, then here's what's going to happen. You're not going to be able to speak until the baby comes. And here in this reference here, 62 through 66, uh, all of a sudden everybody's saying, what are you going to name the baby? And Elizabeth, the mom says, we're going to name him John because that's the name that the angel had given. And they're like, you don't have anybody in your family named John. Why would you do that? And they approached Zechariah and said, what should we name him? And he takes a tablet out and he writes, his name shall be John. And then his mouth is opened up and he's able to speak. A priest intercedes a priest intercedes, uh, oftentimes with their mouth, with prayers. He's the go-between. His right, his job, what he did was taken away until he would see what God would do. Can I talk to you today about reasons to sing or to write a poem or to write a Christmas carol or to have a song? Because the truth of the matter is, your life is a life song. You're known by something. You're known by a couple different things. Maybe... You're mean. That's what you're known by. Maybe you're controlling. Maybe you're full of joy and peace and somebody that people want to be around. Let's take a look at three different songs. They're each pretty simple and nothing complicated. I want to take a look at a father's carol. I want to take a look at Zachariah's carol. Because what you're singing about and what he's singing about has everything to do with the significance of who he is. And what he is about. Now, in verse 67, it says, His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Some people say it was a song, a poem, whatever it is. It's a song. It's, it's what he's singing about. It's what he's known. He's had nine months of silence. What do you think he's doing for nine months? Doggone it if I would only believe. Do you think he'd open up his scripture? Do you think he'd be knowing that some of the things the angels were telling him were prophesied? In a book of Isaiah... And in Malachi, and that's some of the things he's quoting back. This is Zechariah's his poem or his carol or his song. An angel told him, John, he, he would come in the strength and in the power of Elijah. Do you not know that he would definitely be doing some research on that if he hadn't known it already? And I don't know much about Judaism, but I believe in the Passover time, when they get ready for uh, the Passover, and maybe I have this right, I know that there's a certain time when they open the door and one of the kids looks down the road and looks for Elijah. Because one of these times they say the Messiah is coming. Now, we believe the Messiah has come and that John is the forerunner, according to the Malachi in several different passages. Look at verse 68 in your notes. Here's his song. Here's what he's known about. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and, here's a key word, 
redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David because as a priest he would know that the Messiah would come from the line of David. Now if you do a little research you find out that uh, Elizabeth is from a priestly line and this was very important to people in this day. And what is he saying? He's not singing about John just yet. He's singing about the Messiah the one that John the Baptist would be a forerunner for. And he uses the word redeemed. He has redeemed his people. The word means to be bought back. This is not what it means to be uh, just a, a Christian in title. This is somebody who has come to Christ with their sins because that's what all of these wonderful carols are singing about. They're singing about God and sinner reconciled. The word redeemed here, I looked it up, it means to compensate for the faults or the bad aspects of something or someone. Oh, yeah, every person born a sinner? Oh, we got some bad faults, beyond faults, to compensate. The compensation was the death of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ. He, he's come and he's this, they use this word, a horn, which is the word for a king or a kingship. Do you think Zechariah, being somebody who would also be a teacher of the Scriptures, would know the different places like Daniel? when they talk about four different horns that would rise up, four different kingdoms, and the last horn, the last kingdom, would have no end. It would go on for an eternity, and Jesus Christ comes, and he redeems us and sets up his kingdom in our hearts. Verse 74, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear and holiness righteousness before him all these days. Isn't that phraseology without fear interesting? I mean, we don't much think about this because we don't much have this fear of God. And it's because of what Jesus Christ has done, but maybe we've gone a little bit too far to the gray side. There was this reference to this fear of God because if anyone in that day, if you would see God's face, you would die. So you ask yourself the question, if Jesus is fully God and he's fully man, how can you look on him and not die? because he's fully man. It's the side that allowed us to take a look and see who he was. Without fear, Jesus the Redeemer, he goes, he removes our sin, he removes the, removes the boundary, so now without fear we serve him. Verse 78, 76, I apologize. He turns to referencing his son, John now. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. Folks, this is a reference right out of the Old Testament to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. What did John the Baptist come doing and saying? He says, uh, four different Gospels and the, God, and the book of Acts. I'd come and I baptize you with water. He came, he said, come and repent and be baptized. The word baptized is the word baptizo. It means to submerge. It's the whole picture of submerging something like a cucumber in a brine to turn it into a pickle. And this is the picture of what happens in the New Testament. The book of Joel is fulfilled and the Holy Spirit comes on us. Let us not be seen as just somebody who is called something Christian, but somebody who is, literally is a, a Christian. He said, Repent, the words of John the Baptist. And he says, you know, four places, going on to the book, I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me. He knew his role. He had been told his role. One is coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The fulfillment of the book of Joel, that God would pour his spirit out on men servants and maid servants, young and old. 
Here is a father's carol. It says something and everything about him. Verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God. I wonder if that's not the phraseology that they used in Hark the Herald. You know, peace on earth and mercy mild. Maybe just a little bit of a, a, a different language, a different word that is used. If you were going to use an adjective to describe God's mercy, what would you use? The word is tender. Folks, please, don't, don't be afraid. Be drawn to a God who is tender. Now, if you were going to define mercy, you might say, you know, deserving punishment, but receiving good. You know? One of the things we try to do in teaching our kids different things is we try to teach them different aspects, biblical characteristics. I remember a time one of my children was tormenting the other child. Yes, preachers' kids have problems too, yeah. And they were tormenting and tormenting, and I had discipline them for this. I walked them up to their room, and I gave one of my children a $20 bill because I knew what I was going to try to do. I say, you know what you deserve. You know what you've done. You know I've been punished before. But this is, I want you to understand, that this is what mercy is. Mercy is deserving punishment and getting something unbelievable. And this is why we follow Jesus, because of his mercy, because of his overwhelming mercy, because of his tender mercy. Don't be afraid of a God who has a tender mercy for you. He's given us a son. He, he's brought him in a manger. Here's a, a father's carol, and he's speaking to you and to me, a carol that can turn our fears into joy, a carol that can move our hearts, a trust, and, and a peace. I want to say to every man who is here today, whether you're a father or you're a grandfather, whether you're single, whoever you are today, your life is a carol. It's a song of some type. What spiritual truths are coming out of your life? Call it what you will. Your life's a life song. Think about it. Let the Spirit of God speak to you today. I hope it's a song of joy. Number two, a mother's carol. This isn't any rocket science or anything. Here we are in Luke, the first chapter, verse 46. Mary's been visited by an angel. The angel speaking to her. She does better with the visitation than Zechariah. And now she's going to visit Elizabeth. Elizabeth is pregnant with John the Baptist. She's pregnant with Jesus. And when Mary approaches, the baby inside of, of Elizabeth leaps. A, a mother's carol. Women that are here today, <laughs> do, you, do you sing at all? It, my children know that my wife sings to everything. If there's a situation, she's got a song to it. I sometimes will just turn a, my laptop on and pull a song up. She starts singing and humming. She don't even know I do it sometimes. Something comes on the TV, I know exactly what she's going to be singing. You, hey, ladies, whether you're a mom or whether you're... Whatever, you, you, you have a joy in your heart. You have a song in your heart. Here comes Mary. I learned something about Mary that I did not know before. Maybe you knew it. I want to share with you a little bit. Verse 47. Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. So let's take a look at those two things. Number one, her, her soul, and number one, her spirit. Now, some people talk about that they're, we're body, soul, and spirit, and they do a dichotomy. A tri I, I, I don't really know, but I do know this. She said, My soul. It just praises God. And this is common among women 
I want to say women and moms, if Jesus Christ is your Lord, if he's your Savior, your life points constantly to Jesus. Your life points to God. Women of faith, this is the common thread that you have with Mary and with every other woman who is a follower of Jesus Christ. Look at what she says. She goes on to say, my spirit. She knows her spiritual condition, everybody. My background, my tradition was a little bit different. I don't mean to burst your bubble, but you don't say, my spirit rejoices in God, personal pronoun, my Savior, unless you know you need a Savior, unless you know that you are a sinner. She speaks something, and when the Word of God says something that contradicts tradition, the Word of God always comes first. The Word of God's always got to come first. The, the truth of what the Scripture says, and what comes out of her own mouth, this is my spiritual condition, but hallelujah, I have a Savior. He's my Savior. Verse 48, he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant. Oh, man. From now on, generation to call me blessed, for mighty one has done great things for me. How does she even know about humility? How does she know the power of it? Does she not just, does she go to temple and does she listen? Does she go to, has she heard the book of Proverbs read? Has she heard something about humility that pride comes before the fall? And she says, I'm not going to. Does she know about Moses uh, at the time, one of the humblest guys on the earth, and he walked with the living one? Does she know this? Obviously. Because God has chosen somebody who's one of the humblest to be the mother of, of, uh, the physical mother of the baby. And here she is. She's blessed, happy, and joyful. Just about the time she's starting to believe what God the angel says. Isn't it interesting? Joseph is deciding he's going to split. Doesn't really know, doesn't understand. The angel of the Lord hasn't come straight in the mouth just yet. And she's kind of deciding, you know, uh, I'm going to follow God. And all of a sudden, man, her husband's thinking about, he betrothed, is thinking about, I'm just going to let her down easy, and I'm just, I don't want to embarrass her. And I just want to say to you today, hey, hey, ladies, today, if you decide to do what's right, if you decide to follow Jesus Christ, if you decide to get your theology right and correct, it may be that other people won't understand. It may be other people who may be followers of Christ. You do what you can to make sure that you hear from God, and you do what's right. You stand strong. Because in many ways, women are stronger than men. That is for doggone sure. Look at it goes on. Look at verse 50. <laughs> the theology that this woman knows, this is what I don't think I've ever seen before. This is what's called Mary's Magnificat. This is her song. And that song, if you do a little research from some of the women she probably read after Sarah and others, and since that time, verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. It isn't just with her. From generation to generation, his mercy extends to those who fear him. Does she know the book of Proverbs starts out and says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom? That unless you have this reverence, this fear of the Lord, this respect, you really can't even understand his word. It's what starts. It's what helps us. Verse 51, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in the innermost thoughts. Are you familiar with the passage of Scripture that says God's arm is not too short to help you where you're at? Because sometimes that's how we feel. Sometimes that's how we, we feel like he's got T-Rex t, t arms. He, he can't reach down and get to me. His arms are short. And the Scripture 
that she, she's, it's got to be where it's coming from with her. All of these biblical truths. Verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble, because she's living it, and she's seen it. And I don't know, but when Herod, when they hear the fact that Herod's coming after their child, and every child over there, where they're at, every young male under two years old, I think that she understands. She knows this. She says, I've seen what he's done with rulers. They come and go, but their heart is in his hand. He moves them. I know that they're asked to flee. 53, filled. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. You know, doesn't that sound like the words of Jesus in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the hungry and the thirst for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness because they're going to be satisfied. She's not talking about people with money or not money. She's not talking about food. Physical food. She's talking about a spiritual hunger. Man, she's been satisfied in verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel. She knows the teachings of her nation, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. I hope you have a promise. I hope that you have some type of a promise for the situation in your life. You should. Something that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I talk about this in Bible study a lot. Something to hang on to. Something maybe for your life, maybe for a period of time. Do you have a word from the Lord? Some promise, because she understands and knows this is so true. Now, folks, I think we've painted a picture of Mary as being a, a young, naive kind of a woman. And I just, after I was studying this, breaking this down, man, she's got her theology right. Her theology is more correct than theologians that have been in seminary four and eight years. We have a lot of liberals in regards to theology, but Mary, she's got it right. Can I say to you women here today, some of you who teach Bible studies and that, get your theology right. I talked with somebody, and, and they were just bragging about some other woman who was doing some teaching and the prep work and what they had learned and how they were going to miss it. Be one of those ladies. There's some young women who need to be ministered to by you. Follow the Magnificat of Mary and know your theology and live it. And though the world is trying to tell women who and what to be, men and women alike, walk humbly and let God lift you up. No better way, no greater reward, and you'll be singing the same thing for every woman that's here today, for every mom, for every young lady. Educate yourselves. Sing about your Savior, because your life is a life song. Let it be a song of joy. You're known by something. Maybe you don't call it a life song, but that's what we're kind of calling it today. You're known by something. And then number three, let's move from the human beings to the angelic beings. Number three is the angel's carol. You know it's in a lot of different carols and a lot of different words uh, verse uh, 8 of uh, Luke, the second chapter, says that there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, folks, if you've been following along, an angel has appeared to Zechariah. An angel has appeared to Mary. An angel has appeared to Joseph. And now a single angel, and pretty soon a heavenly host of them, is going to appear to shepherds. Now, there are some different thoughts on the, who these shepherds are, and I'm not honestly sure, but one of the thoughts is that they were temple priests. Because the area where this is at, 
and the fact that in the temple they would need sheep and they would need lambs that would be sacrificed. And these shepherds were taking care. I'm just talking to you a little bit about what some of the reasons, not positive, but the possibilities is that they were there and they were, they were taking care of sheep who had to be without blemish to be offered in the temple. I don't know if that's accurate or not, and I know back and forth we, talk, we kind of tend to put down what a shepherd is. But I know this, the scripture says, Isaiah 53, all weak like sheep have gone astray. I'm thankful that one came along who is the good shepherd. Verse 10, the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news, which will cause great joy for the people today in the town of David. Biblical theology, the Messiah must come from the town and from the line of David. A Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the anointed one, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appear with the angel praising God and saying, and here's their Christmas carol. Here's their song of joy. There's two things I get out of it. Here it is, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. High and low. The heavenly highs and the earthly lows. He's bringing them together. The announcement is the coming together of the heavens and the earth. The heavenly being, God himself, and those who walk this earth are coming together of us. And there are some people who, though it says peace on earth, they, they, they think, well, this isn't fulfilled. I used to wonder and think the same thing. This is, you notice the condition for the peace? Peace on whom his favor rests. Favor from God comes from those who know they're a sinner. For those who know they need to be redeemed. For those who aren't afraid to say, yeah, that was me, and I want to be saved. I want to be redeemed. On whom his favor rests. Those who will then turn to his son. The offering, the sacrifice. John the Baptist said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Quoting constantly and ongoingly. Here is uh, the angelic chorus going on. And there are some people, maybe you're one of them. Do you know that there's a real thing called um, chaos life? In regards to uh, 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 psychology today, there, people have an addiction to chaos. They function best in chaos. When it's at peace, they don't know what to do. They, 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 they are leaders. They own businesses. And everything they do, they create a chaos because it's how they have control. Chaos that they have is control. They're addicted to chaos. And it is really hard for the peace of Jesus Christ to enter into the heart of someone who just kind of functions in chaos. He, he's wanting to bring a peace. He, he, he brings a baby in, in a manger. Angelic beings are proclaiming peace on whom God's favor rests. It is conditional. Here we have angels. Hark the herald, angels sing glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Now, if you don't know Christ today, 
if you maybe have played the game like I did for a while. We don't care what title you carry. It's who you carry. It's the Spirit of God that we are to carry. Here's these angels, and here they are singing, and they tell us and they proclaim to us, you want some peace? It's on whom his favor rests. That then turns the whole message over to you and to me. So in your notes, I have the phrase, so let's go caroling. I don't know how many of you have ever gone out and gone caroling. I, I'm not really much. You heard me sing already, so you understand. I, I'm not one to go out and do a lot of the singing. But I love when they came to my house. I, I wished more would come to your house. But you know if you've ever done it, you know there's three things that you have to do, right? You've got to get ready, you've got to go, and you've got to sing. So if you're going to go out and you're going to go Christmas caroling, I, I think about this, and I think it's almost the same thing that Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 28 before he told them to go out into the world and teach and baptize. You've got to get ready if you're going caroling. You've got to get prepped. You've got to know what songs. I know Candy's done this quite a bit. Maybe some of you have done this. You've got to choose your songs. You've got to practice your songs. You're going to gather people. You're going you're to gather the music, and you're probably going to have to gather your coat. And then you're going to have to go. It's one thing to practice, and it's one thing to get ready. You've got a group of people. It's great. But at some point, you've got to leave, and you're going to have to walk up to a home. Maybe you know Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know what's on the other side. Maybe, you know, in this day and age, it might be an atheist. You don't know. And you have to, you, so you got to go. It sounds like what Jesus says to Christians. You got to get ready. You got to go. And then you got to sing. Every song has a message. I gave you three examples today. Your life has a message. Where you go, you sing. I hope it's a carol of joy. I know that there's a lot of different things. I know a lot of different personalities. But what does the Spirit of God say to you today? I uh, sit up here oftentimes. My daughter sits right here. And uh, they're taking up an offering. And Byron Gray comes up. And Byron Gray sings wherever he goes. You get around him too much. You don't get around him. And he ain't singing. He, Byron is singing. And he's up here and they're doing a song. Maybe uh, we're getting led by Dan in worship. And he's singing, passing it down to Marie. And I just look at each other and we just smile. Um, uh, Danielle and I, we just, look, we just smile. Byron is singing. And that's what happens with people who sing for Christ, whose lives, y- you bring a smile. You go to somebody's house caroling, you almost put a smile on their face. If they're not smiling, something's disconnected. Uh, so I say to you today, two different things I want to say as I get ready to close. Number one, do you need a song of joy? That's the, the first central point. I've got two central points today. <laughs> Do you need a song of joy? Because I'm 61 years old, and I get this more and more. I I, I knew about it, but I get it now. A lot of people come Christmas time. It's a tough time. It is a tough, tough time. They've lost somebody, or they've gone through something, or they're struggling with something right now, something in their family, something in their life, something at work, because... Their family, and nobody told them, and all, all the tough things that go on, nobody says, well, it's Christmas is approaching. Could we just take a break? No. We have some family, some people here today. Could you just think about them? Could you and I possibly think, through, I'm not asking anybody, but you know, folks, there's some people around us that are going to go through a tough time. Could you love them? Could, could we be a Christmas carol of joy? The second central point is, can you sing a song of joy? Right? If we got people here, that need to hear a song of joy, and we got people here that can sing a song of joy, whatever it might be. You know, this time of year, I, 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 
you know, you don't want me to come and sing to you, but there's some other things I could possibly do for you. You know, there's some, I, there are so many things coming at me this time of year anonymously. People wanting to help people anonymously. I can't tell you right now, but some of you have been chosen. You know, chosen, the light, you know, you see the, the, the claw comes down. Some people have said your name to me. We want to help and bless them. I don't need to know what everybody else is doing. If there's people here and you think about them, and you know it could be, t- and you think about the fact that you can, you have a song of joy, whatever that might be, a card, something anonymous, a word, something financial, maybe you can do. Sometimes in our Christianity, we get a little bit like a, a candy cane, I think, I'm afraid, you know. Candy canes used to be so special, so related and connected to Christmas. Who that mint and that hook like a shepherd and it's just, but folks, candy canes are just like everywhere now. They're everywhere all the time. I got candy canes in my candy drawer because Marie won't throw them out. They're like, they're like five years old. I think she, I think I, we got them from the Egyptians out of their tombs or something, the mummy's tombs. They just, nothing happens to them. I don't want Christians to become like a candy cane. I don't want us to become like, oh, we're just there every year. They're just kind of la 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 la. They're hanging on the tree wherever they're at. Don't want us to be that. So could I close with this for you here today? Uh, a dad gave some guy who said he needed $50 for uh, some medicine. And you know how sons are, all of us. If you have a son, your son comes along and says, Dad, you know, that guy's probably just going to take the money and spend it on alcohol or something like that. And he said something that I would like to share with you. Quote, he said to his son, Whether he was lying or not says something about his character, but hearing someone in need and choosing not to help when I have the means to says something about mine. I hope that if you're here today and you don't know Christ, that you'll get a chance to talk to me, that you'll get a chance to talk with somebody here today. Some of you know Pastor Dale. Some of you know some of the other leaders that are here today. I want to leave you with a message from Buddy the Elf. I want to leave you with a message about singing. How uncomplicated it is. Let's see what the Spirit of God says to you.